0: Masturbation by Eva After I don't think I was a precocious masturbator because I've come to know some really interesting women who confided in me to masturbating as children, which is either really weird or supernatural. And I don't pretend to know their family histories But I do know for myself that growing up with an Irish Catholic raised mother in a Protestant country like the United States, self-pleasure and maybe even self-care were somehow taboo. Women feeling free to explore our bodies was, and still remains, a rare and precious thing. Although... I don't have any young memories of masturbating. I did come across a couple of pictures of me as a baby where I seem to have hit on my own pleasurable point. This was before digital photography, and my mom doesn't recall realizing the situation until she got the prints developed. I think most mothers in those days, and maybe even some today, would have brushed their child's hands away from their anatomy to make them understand that Touching themselves was bad and wrong, like society and religion had taught them before. Even my cool mom would surely have done so, Albert perhaps laughingly, had she realized what she'd been shooting. So that just goes to show you what an independent and already lucky girl I was at such a young age, to have had the leeway to freely touch and feel my own body. Raised in a male-dominated world, though, it still seemed to me, growing up in the 70s and 80s, that female bodies were simply objects for male indulgence. The world behaved as if our sexuality, our bodies, and our pleasure were of interest to no one at all, as if feminine gratification Was just a subtext. Boys' desires dominated and masculine culture permeated every strata of society. Heterosexual coupling was what we heard and read and watched because those were the stories that were written and produced and distributed by men and for men. Men owned the public conversation. So men owned eroticism too. I grew up having boyfriends my whole life, practiced writing my married name with each and dreamt of my role as Mrs. So-and-so. As my own single mother worked through which I saw more economic strife than freedom, my rebellion was in yearning to be a stay-at-home mom. Perhaps I thought I could Please a man into providing me with happiness, or perhaps I just idealistically thought that a wife and a mom was truly an equal partner in relationship. In either case, those crazy social mores of the times ran deeply in my blood because pleasing Mr. So and so was always more important to me than my own pleasure. My pleasure flowed through him and his. His desires were mine, would be, should be, must be mine too. To be a good wife, to catch a good man, to keep a man at all, I knew I had to please him first. My own fantasies, my desires, my accomplishments, and my own dreams would always remain secondary to his. When I was around... Sixteen or seventeen, though, I remember my manicurist casually asking me if I had a vibrator. This was in the early eighties in Los Angeles, which was pretty rock and roll and where it wasn't rare for teenagers to have manicured nails. When I admitted that I had no vibrator, Denise, who worked out of her home, promptly got up and went with a ladder to a special storage closet in her bedroom from where she returned with a brand new Hitachi magic wand. She somehow had several in stock for a friend in need, I guess, or just in case her own went on the blink. "'You will never thank me enough for this,' she gasped, whispered, shaking her head back and forth as she slid the contraption across the table. "'I took the wand,' of its box at home that night. It had a 10-inch mechanical body and a slightly flexible neck with a squash ball-sized plasticky head attached, and most remarkably, it had a very short electric cord on the other end, making it imperative to masturbate too close to an electrical socket. It was also extremely noisy and crazy powerful, but she was absolutely right. I could never have thanked her enough. I masturbated frequently but secretly under my covers and alone. I had fantasies mostly about sex with powerful men who were too forceful in compromising situations. I thought these were bad and wrong and felt guilty about my excitement especially because I'd been raped by my birth father as a child. So I knew the compromising part of the scenario had some big hicks in it for me personally. I would come once with muffled squeaks and shakes of excitement and then wind the short cord around the big body and put her away. I also had a real life during those years. I had my first very serious boyfriend with whom I lost my virginity when I was 16 and continued dating for the next four years. Somewhere when he'd gone off to school in DC and my wand and I were in New York City, we'd parted ways and I had other lovers of different colors and ages and languages and nationalities, but I always kept my wand to myself. Then, when we moved further east to France, my wand and I had to add an extra electric transformer to our duo, which also added a couple of inches from the wall. I eventually married and had two kids with a Frenchman who wanted me more than I wanted him, and we divorced messily after ten years of trying to make it work. Through trial and tribulation, my old wand and I remained inseparable, though. Then during the divorce proceedings and just like a bad sitcom, I fell in love with none other than my divorce attorney. Ted was a powerful man and I was definitely in a compromising situation. Sex with him was wild and hot and crazy and forbidden. And most rivetingly, always, about Ted and his fantasies. He spoke them out loud while making love. Not sometimes. All the time. So our lovemaking was never about the moment. It was his nostalgia for his past directions or his hopes and dreams for his future ejaculations. But it can pretty much be safely said that our sex together was never about me At all. Ted's head ran the agenda, and the agenda was only about sex, as Ted desired it. Sex toys, sex lingerie, sex parties, sex vacations, sex friends. There was most certainly no time for just my wand and me. In Ted's head, there were constantly at least two or three others in bed with us, even if we were alone. But as an exhibitionist, Ted had a preference for group sex and public places. I agreed for a while because when Ted got what he wanted, he could be a blast. I had no inhibitions and was always up for a good party, so making Ted happy seemed like an obvious choice. But then, parties soon turned into appointments. The spontaneity into normality, and the outrageousness into his obsession. Ted became insatiable, unstoppable, uncontrollable, intolerable, and unbearable. My wand and I must have parted ways during that time too, although I remember nothing ceremonious. I actually miss her short cord, heavy body, and loud engine now, I'm a bit nostalgic in retrospect. I've been single and celibate for a while now, and it's actually been the most relaxing, rejuvenating, and refreshing time of my life. I built myself back from the smoldering embers of those very bad things that would have happened had Ted stayed, or perhaps from the lingering ashes of the dynamite stick Ted used to destroy our marriage. Whichever it was, I'm thankful, though, to be alive today. So now, when I spend time by myself and I masturbate alone, I fantasize about me and my love for myself and what makes me come multiple times, is when I hear myself say, I love you, Eva. You're safe with me. I'll take care of you always. You can trust me. Be who you want. Do what you want. Make your life what you want. Love who you want. Give only what you really want to give. That's a very long way from powerful men in compromising situations. That is real love, real healing, and real pleasure.